Hello and welcome to the Sport for Business podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hartnett, and in today's podcast, we are focusing in once more on the world of women in sport. This series is in partnership with our good friends at Lidl, proud sponsors and champions of ladies Gaelic football, where they are making a difference at every level of the game. Our guest this morning is Maeve de Burka, a footballer capped more than 50 times for the Republic of Ireland, a commentator at the FIFA Women's World Cup with RTE, a coach on the TG Cahar Underdogs programme, an ambassador for keeping young girls in sport and working in finance with a multinational internet business. Where does she find the time? We talk about her busy life, about the filming of the underdogs, the transition from player to commentator and lots more in a really engaging conversation. So after an introduction like that, it's going to be difficult to define Maeve de Burka in a single uh, aspect or a single element of, of what you've done and what you continue to do. But let's kick it off with the underdogs. You're on our screens at the moment on TG Car, managing a team of wannabes coming up into the uh, into the world of of elite level uh, women's football, which has, of course, become a very big thing over the last uh, over the last year and indeed over the last decade but let's start with the underdogs and how do you find it as a manager of these young women and some not so young women that are coming through and, and putting their best feed forward yeah it's been very enjoyable and um, the whole process i think uh from like we started filming in june so um for it just to be you know going out these few weeks on air um it's it's exciting to see it unfold finally after um a lot of work like i said we, we put into it but um yeah the girls are great like they've all committed so much time into it and efforts into it and uh hopefully they kind of get what they want out of it and then obviously it all then accumulates with us playing um the national league team then in december yeah, which is going to be very exciting indeed. The the series is one which has been running for a number of years now, and it's gone with men, it's gone with women, it's gone with Gaelic football, it's gone with camogie and hurling and and all sorts. And this is the first time that it's come into the women's soccer game. How how closely associated in that sort of production side of it were you, or did you come in? as a you know as a as a as a very competent coach and manager to actually do it or did you have some hand act or part in actually bringing it to life as well no um the first time i heard of it i think i had just come down from match Picchu in peru and i got a call to see if i'd be interested i i didn't know anything about it until they kind of had the work yeah in progress in the background really so um no i can't take any credit for their you know i suppose forward thinking um to be honest because it's such a big year obviously with the world cup going on during the summer a lot more heightened interest in the women's game at the moment so i think they picked a kind of a perfect time obviously the nations league games as well going on which the girls are doing great in so um it's a, i think it's a really good time to kind of piggyback on all that extra um you know support around the women's game at the moment and um yeah i think we kind of continue to see i'd say the interest rise in it um as the weeks go on as well oh without a doubt um and we'll come back to the to the women's league as well because you've been involved in in the tg Caha coverage of that which has been really strong and just getting better and better over these last couple of years 
you know, 36,000 fans in the Aviva Stadium, hundreds of thousands watching it on the on the television in the RTE side of it as well. Uh, just before we leave the underdogs, though, as you've seen it coming out, I mean, obviously, when you're filming this and when you're living it, there's such a huge amount of time goes in and it's all edited down into these nice TV bite-sized chunks. How... How hard did you did you find that to kind of accept the fact, oh, why did they leave out that bit? Or why did they put that bit in? Because coming at it from your side of the camera and then seeing what emerges on the other side can sometimes be a bit tricky. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it has been interesting just see- seeing that side of it. Um, but I think, yeah, like I said, we put in, there's so much time and uh, I suppose that's the the beauty of it. Only the people involved really will know the kind of full journey of all the girls and, um, you know, how much we've kind of all, um, I suppose, well, particularly the girls themselves have bonded throughout the, the process. Um, but definitely it's strange seeing, and obviously we do a lot more of um, the football side of it as well, the training and, and matches um, that are obviously 90 minutes long, whereas they're just clipped then um, into bite-sized pieces, like I said, just for the, the TV purposes. But a lot of it as well is, is um, I suppose, a lot of the interest is with the girls themselves and their stories and how they have, you know, um, obviously the, it's in the, in the name underdogs, you know, where they're all coming from, from places. Um, a lot of them have, have very difficult backgrounds or stories that they've overcome. So um, from that side of it, I think it's important to to give the girls kind of the, that recognition, but yeah, it's definitely, um, it's been unusual just to see it. Like I said, it's, we've put in kind of, um, you know, months of, of work into it and then you just see, see the small bits, but, um, but, yeah, we have. I suppose we we've been taking our own little pictures along the way and stuff like that to to remember the moments. And um, yeah, overall, it's been just um, like a great experience. And uh, but yeah, obviously the the eliminations process um, is definitely the side of it that's the the most difficult. But um, you know, it's never going to be um, an ideal scenario when you're a coach. You do have to. I suppose um, uh, there are some elements of of um, disappointment that you, when you give the girls the bad news as well. That's the hardest thing about trying to be the best of the best in a in a team environment is that there will be uh, some who don't make the cut. I'm not ashamed to say that I've cried at various different times during the course of the underdogs, um, particularly when it comes to the women's sport. I've never cried, I don't think, in relation to the men's sport, even though there's been some great stories there as well. But without giving away any spoilers, without giving away any of the sort of, uh, you know, the, the things which we have yet to see unfolding on the series, how did you find that? How did you find those kind of conversations being filmed, knowing that this is going to be going out to a wider audience and having to do the whole kind of good cop, bad cop routine. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it is hard to ignore the cameras at, at some points, but you do get used to them after a while. The first um, kind of couple of days of it, all right, you'd be more conscious of them. But then um, it's really like, in fairness to the producers, they've given us the kind of, um, I suppose, the responsibility and the initiative. We can take the initiative in that the stuff that, you know, that you do see on, on the screens is what actually happened. Like none of it is, obviously the cameras are there, but it's not staged as in, um, it's not scripted and that t- type of thing. But um, it's definitely hard when you, you know, when you are delivering the news that that um, you'd really, at times you just want to get up and give them a hug, you know, straight away and um it's not always possible so um yeah it does obviously it, it kind of 
heightens the drama a little bit when you know that it is on um on screen but um it doesn't really make it any easier it would probably make it harder actually um just knowing that it's kind of um like the raw raw side of it is is there for all to see as well but hopefully i i'm hoping that the cameras didn't capture any of my i had a few watery eyes at times but i i tried to um you know avoid the camera at those times but i don't know if i'm successful or not we'll see how how it develops <laughs> I would be fairly certain that they will have captured at least one or two of those moments anyway. <laughs> and how did you get out? How did you get on with your fellow coaches? I mean, it seems like there was a great atmosphere and a kind of bond between you. Had you worked much together before at all? Uh, I, I'd worked with Laura Wright on um, some of the, the TG Carr games and we did the um, Women's World Cup four years ago as well with, with TG Carr too. So I would have known her before, but um, no, Charlie um, was it was the first time meeting him there um, in that first episode in Abbottstown. So um, yeah, it was it, it's interesting because we're all yeah from different areas. And um, yeah, I think over the, the weeks and the months, um, we definitely kind of saw a bit of um, a bit of a bond develop all right. And um, yeah. Yeah, we'd be looking forward to I suppose I think we well we seem to work well together anyway I don't know um, I suppose we'll see how that how it, um, unfolds in December but um, it's definitely been good because they have such great experience like um, Charlie down through the years men, or with the kind of men's Gaelic football and soccer which brings a different element to it and then Laura has such great experience with the underage Irish teams and now it's obviously head of um, women's football in Drada United as well so um, they both bring such kind of great um, experience so it's, yeah it's good to be working with them. Yeah great um, let's go back into your own career as a player first uh, you never had to go through the underdogs process you might have if it had been there in those days but you didn't need it because you had a very successful career, more than 50 caps for the Republic of Ireland as well. Um, compared to where it is now, do you ever kind of think back and look at those days and wonder what if? The qualification, obviously, for the major tournament, the sponsorship coming in, the profile from Sky and Cadbury and various others that have been sort of lifting it to a level that you might have only been able to dream of when you were a player. Yeah, I suppose it's just a different time. Like, um, really, I know, like growing up, I didn't really dream of of playing for Ireland. So I didn't know there was an Irish team. Didn't dream of playing professionally because, again, I didn't know women played professional um, soccer or sports. Like, it was just I just loved playing. So I didn't really think too far ahead. And even as the days um, and the years went past, I just like, like that. I just loved kicking a ball around. So um, none of that was really um, in my mind when we were, you know, we were playing. We all loved um, to pull on. On the green jersey is still the same in terms of if one person is watching or or if you've you know hundred thousand watching as well it's kind of um it's the same honor but yeah like you said it, it's great now to see the development of it and I think the most important thing is the visibility for the younger generation as well for for them to see um their role models um when they're growing up obviously the ones like that like we wouldn't have had um in terms of the visibility I knew um girls locally or like the likes of Sonia Sullivan is probably um the only you know female athlete or that that I I would have seen on TV and you know we have those memorable moments of of Sydney and that type of thing would stand out so I think um yeah I don't think I think it's more I suppose grateful for the times that I had and then also now just um it's great to watch it um develop from the outside too and and to see um the impact that it's having on the younger generations too I was at uh, Tala for the Albania game um and it was brilliant to see 
great to be in the Aviva with the 36,000 and obviously fabulous for the players and for the whole sense of it. But there's something special about Tala. Those kind of last 10 minutes of the game when there's just this buzz and hum around the whole ground where all of the kids want to get down to the side of the pitch and they've got the posters and they've got the songs, noisiest crowd that you could ever imagine. Um, Mm -hmm. But great to be back there as well. When you got into the commentary side of it and working with TG Carra and working with RTE, did you find that an easy transition? Do you enjoy that side of being on the microphone and being on the camera and, uh, you know, sort of running the rule over, you know, friends and former teammates and, and players? Yeah, it's, um, I suppose the first kind of couple of times um, I did it, it was a bit daunting, all right, um, particularly the first time I did it, um, Oscar and then live TV Oscar as well, it was a, it was a bit, um, you know, I suppose it was just something to get used to, uh, really, and um, then you're opening, I suppose, yourself up to scrutiny as well, depending on, you know, who's, who's listening in, but uh, I definitely really enjoyed, I suppose, I try to be as honest um, as I can in terms of what I see, um, I say what I see really in, ter- in terms of each game, and that's so it's definitely really enjoyable to to be able to kind of give an insight to, as like I said, as a former player. And also um, I would have played with a lot of the girls then as well, who who would be kind of doing the analysis and the commentary for the games for. So um, it's been, yeah, really enjoyable. The World Cup in particular was, was really good. The game, games came thick and fast. You know, it was, it was difficult because I just started a new um, job as well at the, at the same week. So it was tough uh, juggling everything at times. Didn't get much sleep that month, but it was great and um yeah just really enjoyable like I said and especially you know um the league games as well on on TG Cahar are really good to try to promote the league as well because I think that's just an important um aspect of it to try give as much promotion and kind of um try really push the game on to different levels here like in the domestic game as well. And that really is rising as well. I mean you know coming into the start of this season there was a kind of a not a fear, but just a kind of a sense that, oh God, you know, maybe Shamrock Rovers might come in here and just blow the whole thing apart. And that didn't prove to be the case. Very competitive, but, you know, P-Mount hanging in there, uh, you're winning the title, Shelburne as well. Like, I mean, there was some there was some great games and while it didn't go down to the wire in the same unbelievable way that it did last year, it was still a great tournament to follow throughout the course of the, uh, of the, the six, seven months. Yeah, that's the thing. And yeah, like I said, I think everyone's uh everyone would have thought Rovers would have walked the league just given the amount of talent they brought in. But um in fairness to Pima and I think they really held their own and um, you know, to, to win the league with a couple of games to spare as well was a really, really I think it was the most impressive um league win that I, I remember anyway, because they were really up against it. And um but I think that just shows kind of that the standards are rising as well all around um the country too, you know, in terms of obviously Wexford had a disappointment point in year from their their side of it but they're always ones to be up around the top end of the table too and um the other other teams as well around around the country are always developing so I think they're really adding to the um the competitiveness of the league because although they might be challenging kind of the top teams on the end of the season they definitely give them um tough games throughout the season and in the end it's those games that kind of determine at times where the league title ends up as well. Yeah, and seeing a Sloan Town coming through with a team as well, you know, getting to the, uh, well, it wasn't the Sports Direct FAI Cup, it was the extra EFA Cup last year, but um, but it really is like it's a strong league across the board, DLR waves hanging in there as well, and, you know, so so many other clubs, and, of course, Galway uh, mm-hmm. too. But um, 
you didn't you didn't start off in 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 football though as well like we said in the introduction you're a, a lady of many parts and uh, and pretty much all of them sporting but you were uh, before you pulled on the green jersey you were pulling on the maroon of Galway and the kind of the blue red and white of New York as well tell us a little bit about your your Gaelic games career yeah, um, I suppose growing up, um, Gaelic was a little bit more developed um, than for um, girls than, than soccer. Um, myself and um, another a girl I went to primary school, Claire Malloy, who ended up actually playing on the Irish rugby team. The two of us used to play um, Gaelic football with St. Michael's with the boys team, I think until we were probably under 14, um, until at which point then we had to move um, and play with the girls team. But yeah, I represented Galway um, underage level and then um went on like um later then when I moved to America I, I represented New York um which was really a great um great time because we used to we had such a bond obviously when you're Irish away they always find each other so um yeah we got to the junior all Ireland final and um yeah it was great we played in Crow Park and um the first uh, day it went uh, it was a draw so we were getting ready for the extra time but obviously the the precedent was at that stage that we had to play a replay. So we had to fly back to New York and come home um, two weeks later. So that kind of, I think we had a little bit of a depleted squad and everyone was um, a bit wrecked for the replay. But um, yeah, we which we ended up losing, but at the same time, wouldn't take away from the memories. We had great a great time um, that year. And then, yeah, then I when I moved, finally moved back after my kind of soccer exploits, I I represented Galway um ladies at senior level as well briefly. So um that was always on my on my little list to achieve. So um yeah, luckily I, I did that during um I think a few years ago now. But um I'm just playing at the moment locally out my my club St. Michael's still. So um yeah, still ticking away with those for now with those, yeah, at the moment. <laughs> Like those boots never never to be hung up, or at least not quite yet, anyway. Yeah. And you've kept an involvement in it as well because you're doing some work with LG with the LGFA and with Lidl, um, who were our partners in in a in a coverage of of women's sport. Tell us a little bit about that and the importance of keeping young girls in sport because we're aware of the fact, and Lidl have done some great research on on that sort of dropout number and trying to trying to get beyond that period of time when you know girls are moving from national school to secondary school all the changes that are happening in their lives um it it needs attention and that's what you're giving it tell us a little bit about that yeah exactly i think it's a huge um really important area and um like you said little give great support um for gaelic football and um and throughout but um particularly with their serious support program they yeah like that they're, they're really focusing on the kind of the dropout rate and i think one in two um young girls will give up sport completely by the age of 13 so um it's a huge area kind of there's so much scope um you know, for improvement um, in that area. And um, I think it's it's a really important aspect. And yeah, like I said, we go into schools, do workshops. I've been doing it for the last few years now. And you do um, do workshops with the, the girls and then you go back um, and you do another one then afterwards and see if there is improvement. And you just, um, yeah, try to inspire them a little bit as well and just kind of outline the the, um, the positive side of sport. And um, I suppose as adults, we do know it, but um, when they're teenage girls and I suppose they've a lot going on it's um hard to, for them to see maybe see the the advantages of it so um yeah i think it's really important um but it's great to have the backing of um little and the lgfa for those kind of initiatives 
Great stuff. Well, look, it's been a, a real pleasure to talk to you. Um, keep on playing, keep on kicking a ball with St. Michael's, keep on talking into the microphone with Arshie and, and TG Cahill, keep on doing what you do. And sure, if you get an hour's sleep here and there, you can consider that as a bonus. Uh, a real pleasure. Thanks very much for taking the time with us on the Sport for Business podcast today, Maeve de Burka. Thanks, William. I hope you enjoyed that and that you feel maybe your busy life is not quite so daunting anymore. Big thanks to Maeve for taking the time and check out the Underdog series on TG Car over the coming weeks. You can subscribe to the Sport for Business podcast, which drops every Tuesday and Thursday across a wide range of sporting subjects on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. There are now more than 40 interviews to listen back to and please feel free to spread the word. Sign up as well to our twice-daily email bulletins at sportforbusiness.com or check us out on X or LinkedIn. Thank you so much, as ever, for taking the time to listen in.